Last week, Arwa Ibrahim was in Jerusalem, reporting on the Israeli elections for Al Jazeera. And she met a lot of voters, Palestinian voters, and a lot of them were telling her a similar story. Like this one man she met walking into a polling place. He was a small business owner. And it was him and his wife. And I walked up to them and I was like, hi, how are you doing? Are you voting today? And he's like, yes, I'm voting for my first time. And he wasn't a 21-year-old. He was in his 30s. And I was like, oh, really? Why, why are you voting this time? He's like, because the racism against us and the incitement is way too much. And it's about time that we do something about it. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Arwa was covering Israel's second election in just a few months. And maybe surprisingly, it's not really the results that got us interested. Don't worry, we will get to the results. They're important. But what was more interesting was the fact that Palestinians in Israel were a key voting bloc this time around. And we wanted to know what was driving that turnout and if it means they're going to have a real voice in Israeli politics. So with Arwa's help, we asked a few of them. Like Tariq, Tariq Shihada. He works in the tourism industry in Nazareth. Tourism is a big draw there, what with it being where Jesus is from. Now I'm in my way to the voting area of my district. And Tariq left us this message on election day as he was driving across town. He says a lot of Palestinians still reject the existence of Israel, and they boycott the vote. And uh, till now, there is a lot of people is uh, trying to convince all of the boycotters, actually, and people who are not going out from the house to go. See, this election was different. One reason, he says, Benjamin Netanyahu, Israel's longest-serving prime minister. Many activists, actually, from all the parties in the Arab society, uh, doing the most to make uh, Netanyahu actually out. So we hope that uh, everybody will go out. This guy is uh, crazy, and uh, to stop him is, uh, this is the only way, democracy, and voting for the joint list. The joint Arab list. That's who Tariq voted for. It's these four parties of Palestinian citizens of Israel, and they banded together in this election with one purpose, to bring down Netanyahu. There hasn't been any prime minister that has incited against Arabs like Benjamin Netanyahu. That's Ayman Ode, the leader of the Joint Arab List. No prime minister has planned to eliminate the Palestinian cause and delegitimize Arab citizens the way Benjamin Netanyahu has. Arwa sent us quick reports throughout the day while she was on the ground covering the election. What I've seen on the streets this morning is that there are a lot of uh, Palestinian citizens of Israel who have gone out to cast their vote most of them have said that they will be voting for the Arab Joint List. That afternoon, she crossed Israel to another polling station in Jaffa, on the Mediterranean Sea. That's where Arwa met Narjis, a young Palestinian woman. And she was very excited to be voting for the first time. And she told me that she would be voting for the Arab Joint List. And she, she felt the need to, to vote and to vote for this 
alliance of Palestinian parties because she feels that they represent her and could potentially help her um, her voice be part of the Knesset, which is the Israeli parliament, and possibly make a difference. So this is three different parts of Israel. Nazareth, Jerusalem, Jaffa. And Ottawa was hearing the same thing. 60% of Palestinians did come out to vote on election day, and almost all of them voted for the Arab list. Palestinian citizens of Israel are about a fifth of population in this country. They are a minority. Um, the Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, has come out into the media and used what a lot of people would describe as quite racist language against this minority. Not that Palestinians really saw themselves being represented by Netanyahu's rival for the role of prime minister either. Benny Gantz and his Blue and White Party have very similar policies towards Palestinians. Jerusalem is and always be Israel united and internal capital. The Jordan Valley... The Jordan Valley is and always remains Israel's eastern security border. We will take care of ourselves. We will never withdraw from the Golan Heights. We will never do so. But we should mention Netanyahu is in the political battle of his life. He's facing serious corruption charges, and without immunity as prime minister, he could be looking at time in prison. Before the election, he rolled out intimidation tactics, threatening to put cameras into polling stations, and he ramped up his racist rhetoric. Israel's prime minister engaged, telling his own six million strong social media following, Israel is not a country of all its citizens, adding, Israel is the nation-state of the Jewish nation, and it's alone. He saw Palestinians pushing against him, trying to get out the vote, and he pushed back even harder. At this time, more than ever, especially with the tremendous security challenges we face, a government reliant on the Arab anti-Zionist parties must not be formed. We will make every effort to prevent the creation of this dangerous government. A lot of people were motivated by the fact that they felt um, that they were being discriminated against a little bit or, or a lot. Uh, there was a bit of racism towards them. Uh, the language that was being used by Netanyahu was a huge motivation. Netanyahu had already threatened action against Palestinians outside of Israel. He talked about invading Gaza again and promised to annex the Jordan Valley, which makes up 30% of the occupied West Bank. Gaza, occupied territory, Palestinian citizens of Israel, Palestinians outside Israel, it can be a little confusing. So for the sake of clarity, we got in touch with Marwan Bishara. Okay, let's let's see if we can do a sort of a 60 seconds history of 70 years. He's Palestinian, originally from Nazareth, an author and senior political analyst for Al Jazeera English. Uh, what the Israelis call uh, the War of Independence. After 2,000 years, a Jewish nation once again exists. And while there is... uh, the Palestinians called the Nakba, the tragedy, when they lost most of their land. These people, as the result of the war in Palestine, have either fled or been expelled from their homes and their livelihood. 
Moreover, the Arab refugee problem is a very big one. Most of them became refugees. Marwan says back in the early days, the late 40s, 50s, and 60s, for the 150,000 or so Palestinians left in Israel, even though they had citizenship, things weren't so great. For some 20 years, they lived as the enemy within, as a fifth column. They lived under direct Israeli military rule, and hence they were discriminated against in every possible way of life, including the confiscation of their land, limits on their movement, and on their livelihood. Things got better, but as you've heard, discrimination still exists. The Palestinians were left with Gaza, the West Bank, and East Jerusalem, now occupied or controlled by Israel. For the Palestinians kicked out of the new Jewish state, physically removed, things were even worse. For the last 50-plus years, the rest of the Palestinians were either under Israeli occupation, military occupation, or they were dispossessed and live as refugees in neighboring countries in Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and other parts of the Arab world. The ones who've been living under occupation, they, of course, are denied the right to vote in Israel, although they are overwhelmingly subjected to the decisions and the policies of any Israeli government. So for 50 years, the Israeli voted, but the Palestinians were at the receiving end of Israel power, of Israel policies. And many of those policies, of course, were, in as far as the Palestinians are concerned, either racist, discriminatory, or outright oppressive. But the fact that Israelis, Jews, can continue to dominate Palestinian lives is unacceptable. Because in the 21st century, there is no more room for an apartheid system. And why do I call it apartheid? Because apartheid system as a system of racial discrimination of one group against the other is exactly what we have in Israel-Palestine. That sense of oppression, combined with Netanyahu's latest racist jibes, brought the joint Arab list 13 Knesset seats. In a parliament with only 120 seats and more than a dozen parties, that's a powerful voting bloc. It means there's potential for them to lead the opposition party. Which brings us back to Arwa. We asked her if the Palestinians she talked to in Israel were happy about the turnout. For some of them, yes. Uh, For some of them who were convinced with this idea that they need to vote and they need to go out in big numbers and try and be the obstacle that they kind of have become for in the way of the formation of a right-wing government, then yes, it is a victory. And there there is some sense of... This is something to celebrate. They do have some power. But will they be able to change the way uh, policies, like security policies, uh, things to do with the Palestinian rights more generally or the the bigger resolution of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? Probably not, uh, at least for now, it seems. But there's this looming question, who will be prime minister? Well, at this point, we still don't know. Sorry about that. Preliminary election results show Netanyahu's Likud party, almost tied with the blue and white party led by Benny Gantz. It looks like Netanyahu could be prime minister again. 
Benjamin Netanyahu and walks out the, the door with President Rivlin. Clearly, he gets the first shot yes. at forming a government. Netanyahu has once again been tasked with forming a coalition government, something he tried and failed to do earlier this year, which brought on this redo round of elections in the first place. So where does that leave the joint Arab list, who won all these new Palestinian votes? Well, this time around, they're a player for the first time in recent memory. They have the numbers, and so far, they have the will to help back Netanyahu into a corner. But this week, Ayman Odeh, the leader of the joint Arab list, went on the record saying he was approached by Benny Gantz's party to make sure the Arab list lets Netanyahu be the one to try to form government. So it's still not clear if these Palestinians who voted to keep Netanyahu out of office are going to get stuck with him again after all. But then there's also another group of people who feel that this whole process is a scam for them, or it doesn't really deliver what they want, which is a state of their own, their own rights. Palestinians who are stateless, citizens of nowhere. Arwa talked to those people too. She visited a town called Ras Ain al-Auja, in the Jordan Valley that Netanyahu has threatened to annex in the occupied West Bank. When I arrived, I met a lot of farmers. One of, one of the people that I spoke to was uh, Ahmed Atiyat. They'd been there for generations. They were originally closer to the Jordan River, but as Israel was established, his family had moved, and they were there for many years, many, many decades. And what they did was farm the land, plant plant things, uh, including um, dates and fruit and vegetables. They've been under de facto Israeli rule and occupation for many decades. We He has difficulty accessing water that he can use to, to um, water his crops. Um, he can't build things unless he has specific uh, permission and permits from, from the Israeli government, which aren't easily accessed or given. Um, one, of, one of the most powerful things that Ahmed told me was, Annex or not, we're doomed anyway. And what was their reaction to the election, to, to the vote? The responses I was getting from them about the vote was a bit like, why are you even here speaking to us about the vote? Like, who cares about the vote? Yeah, we can't vote. We don't care that we can't vote. It doesn't make any difference. We're just doomed. We want our own state. And if it's the Likud or if it's Gantz, blue and white, which is a more centrist party, it really doesn't matter. Just before we put this episode to bed, Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas announced he's setting a date for Palestinian elections in the West Bank, East Jerusalem, and Gaza for the first time since 2006. As for Israel, we still don't know who the prime minister is. We don't know if the Arab list will end up as the official opposition. There's a U.S. peace plan in the works. Israel continues to strike at its neighboring countries, and the occupation goes on. We don't know how the election will affect any of that either. For now, we can tell you Palestinians in Israel have a political voice, and they can use it. But how much that matters for the Palestinian people, we'll have to see. 
And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Amy Walters with Priyanka Tilbe, Alexandra Locke, Morgan Waters, Ney Alvarez, Dina Kispe, and me, Malika Bilal. Luke Rohr was the sound designer. Natalia Aldana is the social media producer. And Graylin Brashear is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back next week. <laughs>